LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Do you ever feel like you don't know where to start with volunteer training? Or if you do, is it hard to get everyone in the same place at the same time? Well, Ministry Grid makes it really simple to train every volunteer and leader in your church. Uh, with a library of over 3,500 videos and 800 courses, you can find training for every ministry area and leadership level. From volunteers to leaders to ministry directors, Ministry Grid's scope and sequence of training makes it easy to know who needs what training. And here's the best news of all. For the month of August, you can actually get unlimited access to Ministry Grid for your entire church for just $399 a year. And you are locked in every year after to this great price. So if you want to take advantage of this incredible deal, just go to ministrygrid.com slash podcast to get unlimited training for $399. Once again, that is ministrygrid.com slash podcast. And now I hope you enjoy Ask Me Anything. Hey guys, this is actually another replay. This is Pastor JD answering the question, what do you do either as a pastor or a church member if you find out about a sexual abuse situation? This actually played for the first time the week of the Southern Baptist Convention, and we're replaying it because it was one of your two favorite episodes from season one. And so we're re-airing a few of your listener favorites in the next couple months before we get kicked off with season two in September. So let's take a listen. J.D., we have um, a really serious question today, and I think a really important question definitely been, I know, on your mind and on a lot of people's minds, especially over the last year or so. And so that question is, what do you do, either as a pastor or just a normal church member, if you find out about a sexual abuse situation? Yeah, this is um, an extremely important question and one that you want to be prepared for when it comes yeah. and not have it happen and then look back at the mistakes you made or just feel like you were unprepared. Yeah. In fact, I, this is so important that immediately upon being elected SBC president, the first thing I did was appoint this sexual abuse advisory group mm-hmm. to advise our denomination on where we were and uh, what the status of this, you know, this this was in our churches and, and how we could improve. You know, in the providence of God, I'm glad we did that because later, um, six or seven months later, a report came out in a newspaper that just talked about a lot of cases of abuse mm. in Southern Baptist churches. There's yeah. 48,000 Southern Baptist churches. Um, this uh, this article pointed out, I think it was 700 different cases over the last yeah. um, decade or two where it, they've been mishandled or yeah. just, uh, it, it's, it's heartbreaking mm. because I mean, when you think about somebody coming to a church in a place where they expect to hear yeah. The news about the gospel, the the God's love, and and to experience somebody in that name abusing them—it's just, yeah. I mean, just w- w- what greater thing of confusion could somebody experience yeah, in their faith? Yeah. And before I, I, I'll give a few practical steps here. Okay. Before I do that, though, let me just kind of give a few thoughts that help me as a pastor. Yeah. You know, one is you really shouldn't be shocked that it's happening, even in a good church. Hmm. I mean, Jesus warned us yeah. about this, didn't he? He said it was. 
He said, he said that there would be shepherds that would come into the flock that would not have the best interest of the flock in mind that they would have, they would be there to abuse the flock. So mm. he told us it would happen. Yeah. So it means that that remu- removes any excuse from us of saying, well, our church was filled with good people and we taught good doctrine, yeah. therefore we were in excuse. Whenever you do that, you, you, you blind yourself to the fact that even in places that feel very healthy and safe, this kind of things can happen and you don't want to get lazy on, on having the right safeguards in place. Yeah. Um, the, the second thought I give to people is you really need to prioritize the protection of victims, not the guarding of your reputation. That's really good. I, I'll be honest, Matt, when we first started to, to deal with this and when that, that, that article came out in the paper, my gut reaction was I started to pray, God, protect protect the reputation of the gospel. Hmm. And it was one of those moments that I, I felt, I sensed like the Holy Spirit of God saying something to me. And he said, don't pray that. Hmm. I'll, I'll guard the reputation of the church. I'll guard yeah. the reputation of my gospel. You, your role is to focus on how to protect my children. That's really good. And so don't th- you just think prioritize the protection of victims. The last one is, is, I mean, this should be obvious, but our goal is not to meet minimal requirements and to hmm. conform to the law. Yeah. Our goal, any pastor's goal, is to provide the maximum amount of safety for the people that God has given you in your charge. Yeah. I mean, I think about it, if it were my kids, I wouldn't be like, yeah. well, what's the minimum you know, safety? I want to know what the maximum protection for them is. So those are just some, some, some I think, ways to you know, get your mind right. Yeah. When it, you, the question specifically about, about what do you do when, when it happens, I'll give you four things. I'll tell you these come from the Sexual Abuse Advisory Group. That's good, yeah. So the first one is uh, you, you should realize that disclosing sexual abuse takes an enormous amount of courage. And you should honor that. It took a lot of courage for somebody to come up. Probably They probably thought about it and prayed about it for a long time, and you needed to take it very, very seriously. This might be the least understood aspect of sexual abuse, and it, it causes... It causes the the harm that came from the abuse to be multiplied exponentially hmm. in the life of the victim. A lot of times abuse is followed by threats hmm. from the abuser not to say anything. Yeah. And that's that's what usually, you know, that's usually what happens. What you need to know is that the first time you hear it about an instance of abuse, chances are that person's been thinking about it and carrying it in their heart for a long time. Yeah. They've been terrified. They don't want to hurt other people. They don't, they're they afraid about what people will think about them, and to speak up takes bravery. There are important responses and action steps after you hear about it. Don't be so quick to rush to the action step that you that you forget the moment you hear it. It is to be to feel their pain, to listen to them, to made in God's image as they reveal one of the most hurtful experiences of their, of their lives. So yeah, listen, good. listen, listen. To that's listen really to somebody— good is to love them. Here's the second one. If you know of a report of sexual abuse against a minor, you are legally obligated hmm. to alert the authorities. You, you should not try to handle this internally. Yeah. You should not say, I'll go investigate yep. it and figure it out. You and I, we're just not qualified as exactly. investigators. Yeah. This is not a, a Matthew 18 situation. Yeah. And people sometimes will pull that. Well, we got to go straight to the abuser and yeah, yeah, we get do this three or four other people. Exactly, right. yeah. And that's just, it's a wrong application of that text. Yep. This is a Romans 13 situation. That's good. Because you know, Paul says in Romans 13 that God gave us our leaders, and as long as they're not acting contrary mm-hmm. uh, to what God's word says, our leaders are put in place to to help maintain justice. And this is an issue. This is a situation where that's true. Certain sins are not only immoral; they are also illegal. Yeah, that is never clearer than in the case of sexual abuse against minors. So if you know, if you hear about one, no matter who you are, no matter who they are, yeah, your first response is to alert the authorities. That's usually CPS yep. uh, in your area, Child Protective Services, or the police. Yep. You may not know the, all the next best steps. And, yep. and many times they'll show you what those are, but so you can get them in and 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 it's just that that is absolutely the first thing to That's do. Good. The safety of, of, of more children might be on the line. Like it might yeah. be a extremely time sensitive thing. That's good. Right. That's really helpful. So the third thing is if an abuser has access to minors at your church, you've got to remove the access immediately. 
and don't say, well, we'll just take some time to sort this out. Let's just keep the status quo. Yeah. I realize it can be painful and it can you know, create some awkwardness, yeah. but the safety of, of the children is you don't want to be like, well, I, you know, I gave them the benefit of the doubt and, yeah. and this it's happened. It's too important to, to treat it kind of as a yeah, benefit of the doubt or I'm not exactly sure. It's like, no, this is, we got to get in and deal with this right now. Right, right. And the statistics here, Matt, are horrifying. Hmm. Those who abuse minors don't just do it once or twice. They do it repeatedly. Yeah. Even after they've been caught, if they're given the opportunity, even after they're like, you know, awaiting their court date, they will yeah. continue to do this. So if you know about one case, you need to see that as dozens of more potential cases. Yeah. It's not a gray area. Bring in the authorities. We need to reject, by the way, I'll say this. Yeah. We got to reject any understanding of grace that puts the vulnerable in harm's way by giving abusers a, a chance to do it again. That's not the biblical notion of grace. Yeah. And people who are truly repentant. Yeah. Will understand that. Yeah, they'll understand that. Hey, grace to me does not mean putting me in a place where others could potentially be threatened. That's good. So that's the third thing. Here's 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 the fourth and final thing I'll share. Again, this is just a starting point. Yeah. In this, but uh, number four is help connect the survivor to other resources. If somebody is disclosed to you that you need to consider that an honor that hmm. they trusted you enough to come forward. You're going to have a key role in their healing process, but you need to know that you're neither called nor competent to handle it yeah. alone. Questions are going to come up pretty early that are going to be best processed through a, a counseling relationship with somebody that is trained and qualified to, to lead in this area. So one of the best things you can do for a victim is to get them connected to a counselor. This is not like a handoff. It's not like, thank you yeah. for coming. I'll refer you over here and yeah. not think about it again. You need to remind them that you are still there and that you want to continue to process things with them, but but you want to make sure that that the people who know the most are walking with them That's through really what, is a, what is a very a very important moment in their lives and how they respond to this yeah. and, and how they begin to get healing from it. So I'll just say, Matt, in conclusion, this is, especially if you work in the church, this is a gospel issue. Mm. People sometimes say, well, maybe this is a distraction from the gospel. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's a gospel issue for two reasons. The first reason is that we believe a gospel that tells us that God gave his life to protect the vulnerable. Mm. For those of us who represent the gospel, what greater lie could we tell about the God of the gospel than to have the houses that bear his name not be safe places for the vulnerable to That's flee good. for refuge. So it, it would, to not handle this in the right way is to belie the very gospel we mm. preach. Secondly, if you just look at, at statistics, if our churches have the reputation of not taking this seriously, the generation, millennials and beyond will just not come to them. Already, a recent survey shows that one in 10 Protestants have stopped going to a church hmm. because of abuse. Wow. We know that um, yeah, like the when the Roman Catholic Church, because of how they dealt with this or, or misdealt with this, some studies I've seen show up to 30% wow. of, of an attendance hit in places, you know, nationwide because of this. And so yeah. we, you know, in order for us to be able to, to to reach people, we have to be above reproach in this issue. The Bible tells us not to ever let our good be evil spoken of. Mm. And this is an area to apply that. We've got to go not just meeting the the minimum requirements, but how do we show that we take the, the safety of the vulnerable extremely important and we're going to yeah. give it the highest priority. That's really good. One other thing, and we kind of alluded this, to this in the in the question, but that we just want to remind people is this is not just something that pastors and church like staff need to think about. This is something that all church members need to think about. I mean, I think about myself. I lead a small group. So it's like even if that's coming up in those areas. So we, we really think this is a question that everybody needs to be prepared, like J.D. said, when these things come up. And, and the other thing we just want to remind you of, and J.D. mentioned this a few times, but obviously this 
is the start of the conversation. This is just a general overview, but we really want to provide resources for you guys as you continue to think through answering this question. And so there is a resource that is available called Becoming a Church That Cares. And so Becoming a Church That Cares for the Abused is a curriculum designed to equip the church on how to respond well to the initial report of abuse. So this curriculum brings together top experts from various fields to help leaders understand and implement just some of the best practices for handling the variety of abuse scenarios at church or school or ministry. And so if you want to learn more about that or get that curriculum for free, so if you want to learn more or get that resource for free, text Church Cares all one word, to 888-111. So again, that's text Church Cares all one word, to 888-111. Hey, Matt, could I just jump in real quick yeah. and just say there that that is a curriculum that I had a hand in. I, I'm not, I don't do any of the teaching, but I was, I was part of the development of that. And it is like nationwide, some of the leading experts on these things. And it's going to cover everything from legal questions to, you know, kind of post-trauma counseling questions. It it is some of the best that the body of Christ has to offer. And um, it's just been an act of love as a gift to churches to say, this is a baseline for making sure that people are prepared and so that we can be safe places. That's really good. Have you listened to the Making Disciples podcast with Robbie Gallaty and Chris Swain recently? As a part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network family, they've been covering topics like building a compelling team, my number one failure as a disciple maker, and taking back your life and ministry from technology. So just look up Making Disciples on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. And if you found this episode of Ask Me Anything helpful or impactful, we would just love if you would share it with your friends. And we hope that you are listening in in September when we get kicked off with season two.